You are listening to the sermon podcast of Redemption Chapel in Stowe, Ohio. For more resources and information, go to redemptionchapel.com. All right, so how many of you use either like a reminder app on your phone or a to-do list to remember things? Anybody feel like me? Okay, a lot of you have a way better memory than me. That's good for you guys. Um, so I need to use something like that. That's the only way I remember to do anything, right? So here's a picture of my reminder app. Uh, on the day I took a screenshot of this, there was like 12 things. All right, this is what I need to do today. Sean, don't forget these. And then 50 future things. And uh, guys, if you have forgotten an anniversary or a birthday, use this app. Come on, just like put it in there. It's like, this is a game saver for you. So I put big things in there. But I just put reoccurring things that there's no way that I'm going to remember to do. So like for me, every Wednesday night at 9 p.m., my phone pings through this app to take my trash out because I've forgotten one too many times and then I got two weeks of trash. It's awful, right? But this is, I, I think you guys are, are like me in this. We, we tend to forget, right? We need stuff to, to help us remember. There, it's like, it's like a million dollar industry. How do we remember to do the things we once knew we were supposed to do and now we've forgotten, right? It's almost like our minds are a bucket with just a little hole in it. And we, we filled it, poured in all this water, this knowledge into the bucket, but it's slowly trickling out. And how do we continue to pour that reminder in so we remember to what we believe, but what, what we know to be true and how we need to act because of it? And it, it's not just with these superficial things or the trash getting taken out. I, I think God, God knows this is true of us spiritually as well, right? It's why he's given the Israelites these stacking stones in Joshua. It's, it's, it's why uh, we're even doing this series to remind us of who God is, what he says to be true. We need constant reminding, filling up that bucket because eventually... If we aren't reminded, if we don't keep going back to it, the bucket will be empty and we'll forget. That's why these stacking stones are important. And so I just want to give you the purpose of all of these stacking stones, not just the, the fourth one we're going to talk about today, but this whole series, there's, there's two purposes, to remember and to respond. To remember and respond. That's why God gives Israel these stacking stones, that there's something they're supposed to remember. And it's not just that. Right? It's not just informational. It's not just filling up the bucket. Know these things. But the intention is that we would respond to it. That God wants to, to do something with what we know to be true so much so that our actions change. That it stirs something up inside of us. And so, again, that's what we're going to talk about today, but also through the rest of this series. Remember and respond. And so we're going to start with remember in Joshua 8. 30 through 32. Let me read it for us. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel on Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And, and you might not catch this, but if you remember what we talked about last, last week, this is a a really weird transition. Like it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. 
So if you remember where we're at in, in Joshua, they've entered the promised land. God gives them this supernatural victory in Jericho. He, he knocks the walls down and it was this symbolic entering of the land. God was giving it to them and he would help them take possession of it. But then what Pastor Jared talked about last week, they go up and fight AI and they're defeated. God isn't with them. Their, their, their forces flee. They lose. And why that ended up happening is because Achan disobeyed God, stole the treasure of Jericho in disobedience to God. And so God was not with them in their battle. And what we talked about last week is Achan's sin was dealt with. He was killed for his disobedience. And that stacking stone, they stack stones on his body to remember the seriousness of sin. Just like a lighthearted topic, right? You know, remember the seriousness, the consequence of what disobedience actually does. But what we didn't hit on yet is that next chapter in Joshua 8, right before this, God gives them a second chance. He says, all right, you've repented of your sin. I will actually go with you in AI. And he gives them a plan to beat this city. And they go up and they, they destroy AI. Then they actually kill their king, do another stacking stones on his body. Right? Like, come on, I noticed some repetition here. And, and that stacking stone is a reminder of God's second chances. That God was with them when they obeyed God, when he fought for them, when he was with them, they're blessed, they had success. But when they disobeyed God, there was a cost, there was sin, uh, there was a, a, a consequence, right? This, this comparison between the two. And so now they're in the middle of the conquest. They're in the promised land. They've uh, defeated the second city. And so you would think the next thing they would do is let's go to the nearest city, the next nearest city, and conquer that and go on and go on. God will be with us. But that's not what we see in this passage. They actually go 25 miles north to Mount Ebal. So let's look at this map. I think this will help us. AI is on the bottom in red, directly north of that is Mount Ebal. Again, there's cities closer by. Why would they not just conquer those cities? And the only reason this makes sense is if Joshua was commanded to go to Mount Ebal, to go there and set up this stacking stone. And we actually get a hint of that in verse 31. If, if If you go back and look at that text, it says that they did all that the servant of the Lord Moses commanded them. And guys, if you ever see that in the text, you're studying the Bible yourself, it says, hey, they did what was previously commanded. Look up where that happened, right? It will give you the heart of why they're doing what they're doing, what the purpose was behind it. So Moses previously commands them to do what they're doing in Joshua 8, 30 through 32, to build up this altar. And it happens in Deuteronomy 11 and Deuteronomy 27. He says, do these things. And so it's helpful to look at what Moses actually commanded. So let's look at that text now. It says this, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commands of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the, from the way that I'm commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. For you to cross over the Jordan, to go in to take possession of the land. 
that the Lord your God is giving you. And when you possess it and live in it, you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I'm setting before you today. So Moses had already commanded this. The, the Lord wanted them to do this. He didn't just say it in Deuteronomy 11, but he repeats it in Deuteronomy 27 with more details. And what Moses is trying to get them to understand why they were supposed to do this, it, it's, it's a reminder of the Mosaic Covenant. That's the covenant that they are in at this time. And the covenant is, it's a promise. It's, it's how God deals with his people, how, how their relationship works. And it's a blessing and curse covenant. The simplest way to explain that is, is what this passage says. If you obey the Lord, God will bless you. If you disobey the Lord, he will curse you. There will be consequence. And so what they were supposed to do is go up to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim right after they took possession of Jericho. Jericho, again, was that symbolic entering of the promised land. And at that point, instead of going on to conquest, they were supposed to go to the center of the promised land, the symbolic spot on Mount Ebal to make this all to the Lord, to remember who God is and what he's done and how their relationship works. But they don't do that, right? They, that's not what happens. Have you guys ever forgotten something? And then instantly when you realize you forgot it, you're like, oh, this is going to cost me. Like I've messed up big time. So the, the biggest time in my life that I can that I can remember was when me and my wife were adopting our son, Elias, from Florida. And so at this time, we were living in Illinois. We had to fly to Florida. It was in the height of 2020 COVID, which just a good time, good memories, right? Um, we went there. He had to be in the NICU for four weeks. And uh, we had two, two other kids at the time. We were like living out of hotels and the Ronald McDonald house, rental cars, all that stuff. Um, and so what we ended up having to do is first just remembering a lot of details, but also we ended up. Uh, kind of trading off shifts at the NICU um, where we were going like 10 hours a day each. And on one of my shifts, you know, to hold my son, help give him bottle fed, I drove there in my rental car, parked in the parking deck, you know, went through security, got my head scanned, went through the maze, got to the NICU, um, finally sat down uh, to get ready to hold my son. And I felt my pockets and I realized my keys were gone. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to have to deal with this eventually, and I don't want to deal with it at 10 o'clock at night, so i got to figure out where my keys are. And so I retraced my steps, went through the whole hospital, wasn't there, wasn't in the hospital lost and found. And then as I made my way back to my car, I was just praying, God, please help me to have just been dumb and like left my car unlocked and left it on my front seat. And I get there, and my car's locked, and my keys are not there. So I have to call the rental car company, get a tow truck to come. takes an hour and a half. Just like, can you imagine my mental state? Like, I'm so mad at myself. Then I'm praying, God, please help my car keys to still be in the car somewhere. Open the car up for me when the tow truck gets there. Keys are nowhere to be found. So then I get in the tow truck an hour drive all the way back to the Tampa airport to pay for the tow truck and for a new rental car key to be made. So very expensive mistake, guys. Uh, and then get a new rental truck or rental car. Not a fun mistake, right? It, it cost me a ton, a ton of money. It, it cost me about five hours of my time, right? I was not happy. And I imagine that's a lot of how Joshua felt here. Of, oh, I've made a mistake. 
I've messed this up. I, I forgot that God asked us to do this, that Moses walked us through what we were supposed to do. And I think in the back of his mind, he's like, what would have happened if, if I had done what I was supposed to do? If, if right after Jericho, I directed our people to Mount Ebal and we went through this ceremony and remembered who the Lord was, would Achan have stolen? Would we have failed in AI? Right? This big mistake that cost Israel a ton. And so, uh, Joshua writes the ship. He realizes his mistake. And right after their conquering of AI, instead of fighting other battles, he says, we need to do what, what God wants us to do. We need to remember, we need to remember who he is. He saw how quickly we can forget how Achan forgot we need to go to Mount Ebal. And that's what they do. Joshua sets up these stacking stones and they, they do sacrifices and they remember who God is. And what this stacking stone is really about, it's about remembering. It's who God is. We're so prone to wander. Think about these two phrases. You stick to distance makes the heart grow fonder or out of sight, out of mind. Which one do you think is most true? And some of it depends on the circumstance or the situation. But I'm telling you, the biblical principle throughout Scripture is when our, when our eyes are not focused on the Lord, that our hearts tend to wander. Right, that's that's what we do, right? It's like that again, like that bucket idea. When it's not constantly being filled up, water's leaking out of it, and if we don't fill it up, we're gonna forget. We're gonna forget who God is and what He's done. And so we need stacking stones. We need reminders. We need to constantly bring in front of ourselves who is God, what has He done, what's His past faithfulness like, what does that mean for my life. And so my question for you is, what are the stacking stones in your life? What are the times where God's been faithful? He's answered prayer. He's done things you didn't think he could do that you look back on and say, oh, yeah, that's who God is. You're filling that bucket up of saying, oh, I need to live for him. I know what God's done. And are, are these things like that, that day in and day out, that, that are before you to remind you, just like these stones would have for Israel as they walked back of saying, oh, this is who God is. This is what he's done. Uh, one of those I, I think of is just, is just the Bible. The Bible does not save us. Reading the Bible does not make you right with God. But when you read the Bible, it reminds you of who God is. Right? It reminds you of what he's done. It reminds you of your need to give your life to him. And so if you read your Bible every day, it's that stacking stone of, oh, this is who God is. This is what I need to do. What are those stacking stones for you? And again, it's not just remembering, right? We don't just want our buckets filled. We don't want to just know truth. God gives us these stones so we respond. So we live differently. That's why they're doing this um, in Joshua 8, that they don't make that mistake in AI again. And so let's continue here and look at what Joshua 8, 33 through 35 says. And then all of Israel, sojourners as well as the native born, with their elders, officers, and judges, stood on the opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just 
as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded them at, the, at first to bless the people of Israel. And afterwards, he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before the assembly, all of the assembly of Israel, and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. And so Joshua writes the ship, right? He does what God wants them to do. They go to this symbolic center of the promised land and they do this altar, this stacking stone, and they make sacrifices there. And he brings all of Israel. You'll notice all is repeated a lot there. I've underlined it for us. In that whole passage, it's five times. It's an emphasis. It it, it matters. It's important. So he says he brings all of Israel up. It's not just the Levitical priests, it's not their elders, it's the women, it's the children, and on top of that, it's the foreigners. Those who aren't Israelites, who have come and believe in God, they, they brought them together and say, we all have to do this. This covenant is for all of us. And they renew this covenant of, of the Lord, the, the Mosaic covenant of, hey, if we obey the Lord, he will bless us, and if we disobey the Lord, He will curse us. There will be consequences. He puts it before all of Israel. And then part of what they do is he reads all of the law. Guys, if you think some of our sermons are long, like you you have another thing coming. This would have been a long day, right? You, You hike 25 miles. You build this stone structure. You're standing on either side of this mountain. And it says he reads all of the laws of Moses. This is what God says to do. This is what our lives are supposed to look like. Don't do this. Don't run to this. This is what it looks like to follow God. And he reads all of it, writes it on the stones. They're essentially saying there's no way that everyone in Israel does not know what God has for us and what he's commanded us. And you got to remember, part of this, the context is so important. All of Israel has the battle of AI in the back of their mind. And they're like, We know what that curse looks like. We know what the consequence of disobedience looks like. We don't want to experience that again. We saw what happened to Achan. We want to follow God. We want uh, his success, his blessing, his hand over us. I think we've all done this where we've we've done the wrong thing. Like we knew it was wrong, uh, but, but we didn't think the consequence would happen and then, and then it got us, right? We, we made a mistake and we paid for it. So for me, one of my chores growing up was mowing the lawn. And uh, it, we had a riding lawnmower, so it wasn't a tall task. It wasn't too bad. Um, but what I did was I only drove it full speed, you know? A couple of you were like me. And I would just gun that thing. And my dad... He'd get upset with me and he'd warn me. And it's not because he was one of those dads, and a couple of you are guilty of that, this where you're like, I just need those perfect diagonal lawn lines. Didn't care about that. He was like, Sean, you just need to slow down. You're going to hit something. You're going to crash. And at like a typical 15-year-old boy, I blew him off. I didn't listen to him. And so um, one weekend, I was driving the lawnmower, uh, going full speed, and I was listening to my iPod Nano, all right, my most prized possession at the time, right? And if I remember correctly, I think I was listening to Eminem because of my angst of growing up in Hudson, Ohio. So uh, that's what I was doing. Full blast, Eminem, singing along. 
And I was going full, full speed around a flower bed and my iPod Nano fell out of my pocket. For you kids here, headphones used to not have, or used to have cords, which is crazy. So, uh, my iPod didn't just fall into the blades. It was hanging from my ears, dangling by the side of the lawnmower. Again, like I said, it was my most prized possession. So I was terrified that it would fall out of my ears and then get run over. So I made a split second decision, right? I'm sitting there and I lean over to try to grab the cord to pull it up. And my hand, my left hand's on the wheel. And as I lean over, my hand slips full speed crash into my mom's Honda pilot, right? It was just, it was another good day. Um, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, it's like traumatically scarred in my brain, but I remember putting in reverse to kind of see like, man, how much trouble am I in? How much damage is done? I finally pause Eminem. And when I do, when I pause my music, I realize my neighbors are outside and saw the whole thing. And I'm so humiliated. I, I literally just stand up and I walk inside and I just leave the lawnmower there. Right? So here's the lesson. After that, I did not drive the lawnmower full speed anymore, right? I learned my lesson. I faced the consequences like, oh man, my dad was right. I should listen to him more often. And, and that's what, that's what Israel's experiencing here. Of they saw it, right? They, they didn't listen. They forgot what they were supposed to do and they, but they felt the consequences of it. They knew what the Mosaic Covenant was, what their relationship was like with God. Obedience, blessing, disobedience, consequence. They experienced an AI, and now they're like, we've got to take this seriously. We need to renew this covenant. We need to do what the Lord has for us so that this doesn't happen again. All right, no more lawnmower crashes. And so this is a little bit different for us than it is for Israel, right? We're not under the Mosaic Covenant anymore. We're not under that blessing, curse covenant. We're under a new covenant. And that new covenant is brought about through Jesus, where he fulfills the Mosaic covenant perfectly. He, he follows all of the commands of the Lord. He does what we could not do. And then he pays the punishment for our sin, the curse of the law, the curse of our sin. What Achan experienced, Jesus experienced for us. And whoever believes in him puts his faith in him. And his death and resurrection is forgiven. You're brought into a new covenant, a new relationship with God that doesn't uh, work based on your obedience to him, but based on Jesus' obedience and his goodness. And so we experience God's blessing. We experience salvation. We experience good things because of what Jesus has done. But what I don't want you to miss is this. Even in this new, new covenant, there are still blessings for obedience and curses or consequences for disobedience. And what I mean by that is this, right? It doesn't separate you from God. It doesn't mean God's going to stack stones on your head and kill you, but there are missing out on the fullness of life that God has for you when we disobey him, right? You think about money, right? And our possessions. If you honor God with your money, right? If you're hospitable, you're, you're generous, you use your money well in a way to glorify God. He, he will bless it. He'll give you fullness of life in it. What he intended for your money in your life. That doesn't mean you have a ton of money. It doesn't mean any of that, but it means you'll have fullness of life there. But if we disobey God with our money, our possessions, our finances, we, we are, uh, we, um, we're greedy. We waste our money. 
Uh, we're going to miss out on the blessings of God, the things that God has set aside for your life. You'll miss them. Think about your marriage or sexuality. Uh, you, you can do that in a way that honors God in obedience to what his word says. And, and he'll bless that. He'll give you the fullness of life of what he created for you in that. Or you can disobey him. And you can say, hey, God, you can have all of this, but not this. Not this part of my life. And you're going to miss out on what God has for you here. Not the fullness of life that God has for you. And so the challenge for us today is the same as the challenge he has for Israel. Who will you follow this day? Who are you going to follow? Are you going to go your own way or, 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 and, and, and miss out on some of what God has for you and experience consequence? Or are you going to pursue the Lord and experience the fullness of life that, that Jesus has died to give you? What, what are you going to do? What are you going to pursue? Which one is it? Fullness of life or not? And really what, what we're getting called out of here is consumerism into discipleship. Right? Consumerism is religion. It's I'm going to church on Sunday so God blesses me. It's, it's hey, uh, I like some of this Jesus stuff, but I don't want to give him this area of my life or don't want to give him this area of my life. I want what Jesus can give me, what God can give me, but I don't want to give him all of me. And what we're getting called into here, what Israel's getting called into here is discipleship, fullness of life saying, God, my life is not my own, it's yours. What you've called me to, I'm going to do. All of what you commanded, my heart's desire is to pursue it and fulfill it, not because it makes me right with you, in our new covenant, but because of what you've done for me. What's it going to be? What are we going to do? And so maybe you, or you've been living that consumeristic Christianity, that, that going through the motions Christianity, or maybe you're a newer fall of Jesus. I just want to give you a resource. I want to point you to a resource to help you run towards discipleship. And that's called the Journey app. If you've been here a while, you've probably heard us talk about it. This is an app we've made. It's free in the App Store. You can even scan that QR code now, but I want to push this to, uh, this to you because if you want to, uh, like, if you're struggling with what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ, this will be a good resource for you. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to live a life after him and not for yourself? So take advantage of this resource. You can do it alone, um, but you can even with a friend have accountability, pursue this together. With that said, I always get a little uncomfortable talking about blessing. Uh, I think maybe that's just me. Maybe that's a cultural thing. But I think we just have this wonky understanding of, of what blessing is. So when, when we're talking about blessing biblically, it, it doesn't mean what you'll hear sometimes at some churches, like which is prosperity gospel, which is God's going to bless you. He's going to make you healthy, wealthy. He's going to give you everything your heart desires. It's not the biblical concept of blessing. What God is talking about here is he's going to give you fullness of life. He's going to give you what God created you for, goodness, fullness of relationship with him. And so what you need to understand is that fullness of life and blessing doesn't mean that it will be easy. Blessing doesn't mean there won't be hardship. And we need to understand that because I know my heart's desire, and I think this is a cultural thing, so you probably wrestle with it too, is I, I tend to lie to myself, and if it's hard, if it doesn't seem like God just like cleared the path for it, then it can't be what God wants, right? If it's hard, God wouldn't make me do something hard. God wouldn't have me do something that's a sacrifice. And that's just not true. That's not the biblical idea of blessing. 
blessing still might be hard. And so uh, maybe this will help you think about it. If you're married, I hope you would say, man, my marriage is a blessing, right? But if I was to say marriage is easy, you'd laugh at me. Like, no, no one's going to say marriage is easy. If you ask my wife, I hope she'd say our marriage is a blessing. But if you were to ask her if it's easy, there's no way she'd say bringing together two sinful people and being married to me is easy. She's not saying it. No way. And, and we do it with kids too, right? We're like, oh man, kids are such a blessing. Such a blessing. Until like they, they keep you up all night. Or they're like my kids and they all get sick at the same time. Or they're potty training. I'm in the middle of potty training right now. Not me, one of my kids. And it's, it's awful, right? It's not easy, right? But kids are still a blessing. It's a biblical truth. God says kids are a blessing. So the same is true for Israel. Israel's gonna, the goal is for them to obey God and he'll bless them and he'll give them success in their conquest. But it doesn't mean it will be easy. There's still gonna be war. Some of them will still die in battle. There's still giants in the land. It's not easy. And so blessing doesn't mean that there won't be hardship. And so I want to read this this verse for us. I, I think this maybe will give us a better picture of what it looks like in this new covenant. It's Titus 2, 11 through 14. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, Jesus, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are jealous for good works. This is what it looks like. This is what a discipleship relationship with God looks like. That God has, sorry, God has made a way for all of us. And what his goal for us is not for you to believe in Jesus and then pick and choose ways you're going to obey him. But he says, what what I have for you is that I want to train you to renounce ungodliness, to turn away from the things that aren't good for you, the consequences of running after your own desires. And instead, I want to, I want to redeem you. And I want to purify for, for myself a people of my own possession who are like me, who are holy. God wants to do that with you. And so it's this shift of, I'm not my own, I'm God's possession. And that's the challenge for Israel and for us today. Who will we follow this day? Will we go after our own desires or will we live the life that Jesus has died for, for us? Fully sought after him. I just want to give us some maybe practical application here. So first, remember, right? That's, that's the point of all of this, stacking stones. We need to remember, remember your dependence on God. We need to fill up that bucket. This is who God is. This is what he's done. This is how I'm to respond. We need to remember, but it's not just informational. We need to do something with that. It needs to impact our lives. We need to respond. And so respond by, by pursuing discipleship not consumerism. Discipleship, not consumerism. Don't pick and choose your faith. Don't just, uh, you know, go through the motions, but pursue God wholeheartedly. Pursue what he has for you. And part of that is choosing blessing, not curse. It means choosing the things of God, knowing that you are not your own. You're his possession, that he knows what's best for you. Are you going to run after those things 
Are you going to run after what you want? And then lastly, blessing doesn't mean things aren't, um, there aren't hardships, right? Blessing doesn't mean easy. And I'll, I'll just share from my own life. There are things that I'm like, I know God's called me to do that. Without a doubt, prayerfully, God, it doesn't make sense, but I will do it. I know you want me to do it. Things like adoption, like going into ministry, moving my family across, uh, across the country. Those things are hard. Right? I think God wanted me to do that. He was, he was good in it. He was in the midst of it, but they were not easy. Right? Obedience to God, blessing does not mean easy. And so as we try to follow God and be obedient to Him in this world, we, we, we need these stacking stones of Joshua, but the other ones in your life to remind us of who God is, what he's done, his awesomeness. And then we need to respond by giving our whole selves to him. And that's the question. Who are you going to follow this day? Yourself or the Lord? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I, I, again, we, we pray that you would do something through your spirit to help us remember. That's what we need. That my issue, and I think it's true of all of us, that, that no matter what you've done in the past, no matter if we've seen Jericho's walls fall down, we forget. We forget our need for you. We, we are overconfident in our own abilities. And God, I pray that you would draw to our mind, not just now, but for the rest of our lives, who you are and what you've done. And then, God, don't let us go through the motions. Don't let us be passive, but help us to view ourselves as your possession and live our lives wholeheartedly to you that we would experience the fullness of life that you have for us, the fullness of life that, Jesus, you died for. God, we pray that you would do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Redemption Chapel. Go to redemptionchapel.com for more resources and information.